When that divine Redeemer, about whom the choir has sung, walked and talked among men, he did not speak as did the scribes or the scholars of the day, but rather he spoke in a language which was understood by everybody. Jesus spoke in parables, and his teachings moved and motivated men to a newness of life. The shepherd on the hillside, the sower in the field, even the fisherman at his net, each became a subject whereby the master taught an eternal truth. The human body, with its intricate parts and marvelous function, took on a new depth of meaning when the Master spoke of ears that were not stopped, but which did really hear, eyes that were not blinded, but which did really see, and hearts that were not hardened, but which could know and feel. He spoke of the head, the nose, the face, the side, the back. Significant, however, are those occasions when the Lord spoke of yet another part of the human body, even the hand. Long considered by the artist and the sculptor as the most difficult member of the body to capture on canvas or to fashion in clay, the human hand is a wonder to behold. Neither size nor shape nor color nor age can distort this miracle of creation, the human hand. First might we consider the hand of a child who can deny the power of God or his divine creations when he has the opportunity to hold within his arms a newly born infant? That little tiny hand, so small yet so perfectly formed, instantly becomes the topic of conversation. And I don't know of a person who can resist the temptation of putting his little finger in the tiny clutching hand of an infant. A smile comes to the lips and a glow to the eye, and the feelings of one heart prompts a person to agree with the words of the poet, a baby, that sweet new blossom of humanity, fresh fallen from God's own home, to flower upon earth. And then the child grows, and as the child grows, that little tiny clutched hand opens wide in an expression of complete trust. Take me by the hand, mother, and I'll not be afraid, bespeaks this confidence. The hymn which the children sing is at once a plea for patience, an opportunity to serve, and an invitation to teach. When they sing so beautifully, I have two little hands folded snugly and tight. They are tiny and weak, yet they know what is right. During all the long hours till daylight is through, there is plenty indeed for my two hands to do. Kind Father, I thank thee for two little hands and ask thee to bless them till each understands that children can only be happy all day when two little hands have learned how to obey. The trust and the faith which comes from those words when rendered by little children should bring forth from the heart of each parent a renewed pledge of fidelity, even a determination to do that which is right. And should there be added incentive necessary, all we need do is turn to the New Testament and that account where the disciples came to the Master 
and said, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and placed him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And whoso receiveth one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whosoever offendeth one of these little ones that believeth in me, it were better for him that a millstone were to be hanged about his neck, and he were to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Significant is the hand of a child. Second, could we talk about the hand of youth? This is a training time in life, when busy hands learn to labor and labor to learn. Honest effort, loving service, become twin identifying characteristics of the abundant life. Each was taught very effectively one day when the teacher in an MIA class of girls gathered her girls about her and they baked cookies. And then that evening, personally, they took the cookies to elderly women who resided in a neighborhood rest home. The aged hand of a grandmother clasped the thoughtful hand of a teenager. No word was spoken, but heart communicated to heart. And the hand that baked the cookie was lifted to wipe a tear. Such hands are clean hands. Such hearts are pure hearts. Then comes the day when the hand of a boy takes the hand of a girl, and anxious parents realize that their children have grown. Never is the hand of a girl so delicately displayed as when there glistens on her finger an engagement ring. Her step is a little livelier, her countenance a little brighter, and all is well with the world. Courtship has come. Marriage follows. And once again, two hands are clasped, this time across a sacred altar in a holy temple. Forgotten for a moment are the cares of the world. Eternal values are here considered. And the clasped hands speak of promised hearts. Heaven is here. Then time passes, and the hand of the bride now becomes the hand of a mother, ever so carefully providing for her newborn child, holding, dressing, bathing, feeding, comforting. There is no hand like mother's, nor does its tender care diminish with the passing of the years. How well I remember the hand of one mother, the mother of a missionary. Some years ago, mission presidents were invited to Salt Lake City to attend a worldwide seminar. And as part of that seminar, we had the marvelous privilege of greeting the parents of our missionaries. Forgotten are the names of each and every of the parents who came to the hotel room and expressed a greeting or extended a hand clasp. But ever remembered in my heart are the feelings which came over me as I held in my hand the calloused hand of that missionary's mother from Star Valley, Wyoming. Please excuse the coarseness of my hand, she said, but since my husband has taken ill, the work on the ranch has been mine to do. But we wouldn't have it any other way. We delight in having our son serving the Lord 
as a missionary. I confess that tears could not be restrained, nor should they have been, for such tears seem to have a cleansing effect upon the human soul. A mother's hands have sanctified a son's service. Loved are the hands of mother. Not to be overlooked is the hand of father, whether he be a skilled surgeon, a master craftsman, a trained teacher. With his hands he provides for his family. And there is a certain dignity to honest labor. When the Great Depression came to the world, I was but a small boy. Yet I remember how fortunate were the men who had work because jobs were scarce, hours long, pay scant. How well I remember one father who lived on our street, a father who, though advanced in years, labored from before sunup in the morning until after dark at night with his own two hands to provide for his large family of girls. His firm was known as the Spring Canyon Coal Company. It consisted of one old dilapidated used pickup truck, a pile of coal, one shovel, one man, and his own two hands. I remember hearing him on fast and testimony day, standing and bearing his testimony. More especially, I remember seeing those large, red, coarse hands grip the back of the bench upon which I happened to be sitting as he would bear witness of a boy, a boy named Joseph Smith that went into a grove of trees near Palmyra, New York, and there saw God the Eternal Father and Jesus Christ the Son, and heard those words, This is my beloved Son, hear him. Those words echo in my memory more dearly because there appears in my mind a vision of those large hands of a father. Honored are the hands of a father. Friday, in this tabernacle, we had the opportunity, as did members of the church in front of television screens and near a radio set throughout the world, to raise our right hands and sustain a prophet, a seer, and a revelator, even the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our upraised hands were but an expression of our pledged hearts. For literally, as we raised our hands, we pledged our hearts. For a moment, could I tell you of the hands of that prophet, even President Harold B. Lee? I do so humbly and with his specific permission. Years ago, when President Lee was a member of the Twelve, visiting a state conference in the east of this particular country, he, through revelation and inspiration, called to serve as a patriarch, Brother DeWitt J. Paul. The lofty calling overwhelmed both Brother Paul and Sister Paul. They worried, they wondered, they pondered, they prayed, they sought for eternal and inspirational confirmation of such an appointment. The sustaining vote of the congregation gave them some assurance but still they wondered. And after the general session of the state conference, they retired to a basement room, a story and a half below the level where the conference session had been held. There, 
DeWitt J. Paul sat on a chair and pondered his future assignment. Elder Harold B. Lee stood behind him and placed his hands upon the head of a patriarch to be ordained and commenced to speak. Sister Paul had seated next to her a lifelong friend to whom she had confided her concern. And at the moment when Elder Lee commenced to speak, this friend lifted her head and opened her eyes. She beheld a ray of sunlight which seemed to stream across the shoulder of President Lee and illuminated him as he had his hands placed upon the head of Brother Paul. This was to her a heavenly confirmation of a call. And at the conclusion of the blessing, she hastened to the side of Brother Lee and said, While you were ordaining Brother Paul, I saw the beam of sunlight which rested upon you and brought a glow to you and to your hands as you had them upon the head of Brother Paul. I have a witness that this call is from God. In his own inimitable way, President Lee said to her, Indeed, my dear, this is a confirmation of a heavenly call. For as you look about this basement room, there is no window through which the sun might beam its rays. Precious are the hands of a prophet. May I conclude with yet another hand, even the hand of the Lord? This was the hand that guided Moses. This was the hand that strengthened Joshua. This was the hand promised to Jacob. When the Lord said to him, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not afraid, for I am thy God, and I shall uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. This was the determined hand that drove from the temple the money changers. This was the loving hand which blessed little children. This was the powerful hand which unstopped deaf ears and brought vision to sightless eyes. By this hand was the leper cleansed. By this hand was the lame man made to walk. By this hand was the dead Lazarus raised to life. With the finger of this hand there was written in the sand that message which the winds did erase, but which honest hearts did retain. The hand of the teacher, the hand of the carpenter, the hand of the Christ. Pontius Pilate attempted to wash his hands of this man called King of the Jews. O oh, foolish, spineless Pilate, did you really think that water could cleanse such guilt? I think of those hands pierced and bleeding to pay the debt. Such mercy, such love, such devotion can I forget? Oh, it is wonderful that he should care for me, enough to die for me. Oh, it is wonderful, wonderful to me. Pitied is the hand that sins. Envied is the hand that paints. Appreciated is the hand that helps. Honored is the hand that builds. Respected is the hand that serves. Adored is the hand that saves, even the hand of Jesus Christ, our precious Savior and our dear Redeemer. With that hand, he knocks upon the door of our understanding, 
said he, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I shall come in unto him. My brothers and sisters, shall we listen for the voice of the Redeemer? Shall we have the wisdom to open to his exalted presence the doorway of our lives? Each one must answer for himself. During the journey of mortality, clouds of gloom, depression may appear on the horizon of our personal destiny. And we may be prompted and tempted to ask, as did another, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I might tread safely into the unknown. And he said, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That to you shall be better than a light and safer than a known way. Of this solemn truth, I testify, as I leave with you my personal witness, that this divine Redeemer does live and that he continues today to direct his Church with his all-powerful hand. In the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, amen.